Now, these tea partiers, I like to call them tea baggers because that's how they uh, originally introduced themselves. Well, they proudly proclaim themselves as conservatives, and rightly so. Tea Party protesters repeat the conservative catchwords of Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan, who built their careers fighting the creeping socialism of civil rights legislation, Social Security, and Medicare. Creeping socialism. When I was in college, I was the secretary of the Young People's Socialist League. Sounds pretty red, huh? Well, let me tell you. What we were promoting was right of Bill Clinton today. But I went to see Norman Thomas give a speech in New York at the Unitarian Church, and he walked up on stage slowly in a crouch, and he said, this is creeping socialism. I've always loved that. Tea partiers have also have echoes of a well-known grassroots movement. They echo the John Birch Society of the 1950s and 60s. The JBS organized in upper-middle-class neighborhoods and among business groups for anti-communist and conservative causes, very much like the Tea Partiers. In tone and substance, Tea Partiers even sound like the John Birch Society. When they claim that a modern American president is a communist, it recalls old JBS attacks on communist president Dwight Eisenhower. I saw a sign in one of their gatherings, and it, it said Obama, uh, Che Obama, the millionaire socialist president. I tell you, if we drown, we're going to drown in ignorance. Okay, as today's Tea Partiers shout their slogans to end the Federal Reserve, abolish the Internal Revenue Service, and restore the gold standard, they seem to be lifting a page from the old Birch playbook. Yet commentators resist linking the Tea Partiers with the radical right. Instead, they prefer to call them populists. Exactly what links Tea Partiers and historic populism usually goes unexplained. But part of the logic is that the Tea Partiers have angrily taken to the streets like pitchforking populists of old. But the original population of the 1890s had little to do with the pitchfork stereotype. Populist farmers and workers listened to lectures, they read reform literature, they joined associations, and voted for independent candidates. They rarely marched. Well, there is one exception. It's it's a useful lesson for today. The nation's first march on Washington was in the spring of 1894. The country, like today, was gripped by a terrible depression. Jacob Coxey, an old Ohio populist, led a march of the unemployed, some some of them as far away as the West Coast, to Washington. It was called Coxey's Army, and it arrived in the capital on May 1st. These populists sought to petition Congress for help. With local and state governments in fiscal ruin, like today, only the federal government had the resources to keep millions of working families in their homes. Again, true. Coxie petitioned for a good roads bill to create jobs and build the infrastructure of prosperity. Makes sense to me. Now, let's turn to the recent big Tea Party march. The Tea Party Express spent three weeks crossing the country, arriving in Washington on tax day, April 15th. As in 1894, the economy is mired in a deep recession, but the real parallels end right there. The Tea Partiers came to protest federal action. They hate the federal government. They don't understand what it is, but they hate it. Today, local and state governments are hemorrhaging jobs and slashing essential services, yet the Tea Partiers are boiling mad because of the stimulus bill, which meant to stop the bleeding, has failed. They are punishing politicians who supported it, like Bob Bennett, Utah's conservative GOP senator, 84% conservative rating, and he's out. The Tea Partiers are more concerned about possible inflation in the future than with the current ordeal of the unemployed. Yes, they are passionless. What what, what did uh, Bush call himself? A compassionate. 
compassionate conservative. These people have zero compassion. The one issue that unites this diverse coalition is hostility to federal spending to create jobs. That's it. Don't you dare give me health reform and don't you dare create a job. Most Tea Party supporters also tell pollsters that too much has been made of problems facing blacks. This is striking, given given how much the Bush and Obama administrations have tiptoed around the economic catastrophe that's hit black America during this financial meltdown. In much of the country, the jobless rate in black communities is at Great Depression levels, 27% in Michigan and nearly 19% in the District of Columbia. So when the Tea Partiers say they are true conservatives, there is no reason to doubt them. They stand in the conservative tradition of the radical right, a movement of the haves and the well-protected, who since the time of FDR have feared that their freedom will be lost if the government extends a hand to the have-nots and the unprotected. And there's more nutcase news. The Texas State Board of Education has an arch-conservative board member named Don McLeroy, a real teabagger who's proposing a new set of changes that read like a Tea Party manifesto. The new arrangement would require high school history students to, quote, discuss alternatives regarding long-term entitlements such as Social Security and Medicare, given the decreasing worker-to-retiree ratio, and also evaluate efforts by global organizations to undermine U.S. sovereignty. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Let's get the civics class to figure out an alternative to Medicare and Social Security, and then let's try and savage the UN while we're at it. These, as he quotes, threats of global government to individual freedom and liberty include the votes of the UN General Assembly, the International Criminal Court, the UN gun ban proposal, forced redistribution of American wealth to third world countries, and global environmental initiatives. This is ignorance on parade. Now, I initially dismissed the issue of the teabaggers. I thought, these are just hairballs. But they're not. They are, I believe, threatening. I'm beginning to feel very uneasy about those these folks. They're armed. They know people who are armed. They are playing on the ignorance of America, which is boiling under all of the all of the distress that we're suffering. I mean, Sarah Palin is a perfect example. As I say, she'll be the first fascist to win a beauty contest. Uh, I, I am concerned. The only good news is that they're not evangelical Christians. So you can't pu- put these two, you know, forces together and get critical mass. But that's the only good thing about them that I can see. Uh, early on, when we be- became familiar with the life of the astronauts, we discovered that one of the things they took up into space was tang. You know, that, that was one of the few things they could drink up there. But mm-hmm. there's a tang I like a lot better. Yeah, it's the Tang Dynasty. And here's a poet from uh, that era so many, many, many hundreds of years ago. A long time. A long time. Li Ho. Li Ho. His name was, and it still remains because poems never die. Here's one uh, on the moons of the months. This is the third moon, the moon for May. Mm. East wind blowing. Spring fills our eyes. City in bloom. The willows weep in earnest, breeze in the palace halls and rustling the bamboo. New clothes, bright green, clear as water. A brilliant wind ripples fields mile after mile. Mist and cloud join heaven and earth. 
The concubines dress like soldiers and paint their eyebrows thick. Red banners warm the streets. The fragrance drifts away down meandering river as pear blossoms scattered in the park make us think of fall. Ah, yes, the concubines dressing as soldiers, but I think we'll come to real-world harmony when the soldiers start dressing like concubines. I'm with you, Pete. That's Radio Free Oz for today, Oz Team. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Bergman. David Osmond, my co-host. John Cumming, our ones and zeros man. Phil Fountain, our designer. Tom Goodwillow, uh, our webmaster. Dave Maloney is our audio engineer. Bill McIntyre, the producer. And Scott Wilde is our social media guru. Be posting at you soon.